the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Salem Media Group. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Can you believe it's the 18th of February already? I've barely gotten over Christmas now. After enduring our cold Northeast Ohio weather, this past week was wonderful. It felt very much like spring. I couldn't believe it, but I know it wasn't normal. It was just too good to be true. An old man winter blew in and snowed on, on us on Friday, and reality struck again. But we can be happy with the knowledge that it's just 31 days. It will be the first day of spring. It happens on March 20th, the vernal equinox, the day when daylight begins to win over darkness, a very welcome time of the year. So put that on your calendar, March 20th, the first day of spring. Today, though, it should be sunny and cold. Still, I have spring fever. I'm looking forward to seeing the robins and the red-winged blackbirds again. The robins should return in maybe two or three weeks. Last year, the robins showed up in the last week in February. And two years ago, they showed up at the first week in March. 
I haven't seen any green shoots coming out of the ground yet, but I'll bet we'll see some soon. <laughs> That's if you see them before the rabbit does, and he'll just chop them up. And uh, besides, I've got the, uh, uh, last week, the geese showed up on the pond. They might have been there before, but this time they made such a ruckus that uh, it was obvious that there was uh, territorial battles going on around here. So, hey, you know, it's springtime. We're getting close to springtime. Soon we'll need to start our outside to-do list for when the weather finally does warm up and the ground dries out a little. Until then, on days when it's freezing, we can stay inside, watch the, watch the snow and the cold outside with our cup of hot coffee, and look at our investments and check over our financial plans. Well, this week, the markets have had a lot to digest in terms of what the future holds. On Wednesday, retail sales figures from the U.S. Department of Commerce showed stronger than expected consumer spending in January. Expectations were that consumer households would be reining in the spending. Consumers have been squeezed by high inflation, climbing interest rates, declining savings accounts left over from the COVID stimulus program. In fact, consumers eased back spending in November and December of last year. So what would you expect? Well, the U.S. economy started the new year with a rebound in retail sales. Retail sales rose 3% in January after back-to-back declines in November and December. Uh, consumers fortified with 5 or 6% uh, pay raises over the last year and cost-of-living adjustments for retirees and, in some cases, state tax cuts. And they still have approximately $1.6 trillion remaining in extra savings from the COVID uh, stimulus programs, plus uh, the increases in the charge account balances. They've been going up uh, significantly, too. So the consumer... They started spending big time. Uh, They picked up spending and increased economic growth at a time when many analysts were predicting a slowdown or even a recession. And we'll we'll get into the details later in the show about the the, uh, spending report. But also, we see that Federal Reserve officials are still on course to keep raising the interest rates to try to combat inflation by slowing the economy. Recently, there's been uh, surprises regarding the strength of the economy. The jobs, if you remember the job situation report from the Department of Labor, that happened about three weeks ago, and that reported uh, 517,000 additional people on the payroll in January. The expected uh, jobs number was originally 180,000, but the the report showed a 517,000. So the actual jobs figures was a little bit less than three times the consensus estimate. It was also reported that the unemployment rate was 3.4%, which is basically at a 50-year, 50, maybe even 60-year record low. So, uh, 
We got good uh, spending. We've got good jobs and labor. Uh, and then there was another surprise regarding the strength of the economy on Wednesday with the industrial production report from the Federal Reserve. This report showed that in January, industrial production was unchanged from December, and it showed that manufacturing, which is basically accounts for 73% of the industrial production, and manufacturing increased 1% in January. And of that manufacturing, durable goods manufacturing uh, contributed eight-tenths of 1% for December, uh, from December in January. And the non-durable manufacturing contributed 1.1% in January. Mining, which uh, uh, is 17% of the industrial production, that was up 2% uh, in January. And the thing that um, uh, brought down the uh, the uh, industrial production to a, a uh, even keel was that the utilities uh, were down 9.9% because of the unseasonably warm weather in January. So I got a case here where uh, manufacturing was up, mining was up. Uh, both of those things were expected to be down. You know, the, the Institute of Supply Management in manufacturing showed that manufacturing had been going down. The uh, uh, S&P uh, Global also showed manufacturing and services both going down. And now we have strong manufacturing and, and mining results. So, um, you know, we'll talk about the details of that uh, that industrial production report later in the thing in the show. But we seem to be getting a lot of of uh, surprises, on the, basically on the good side, as far as the economy is concerned. We got the 500,000-plus 500, 500, uh, increase in the payroll in January. We've got people out there spending, consumers increasing their spending by 3%. Uh, we got manufacturing and mining up. That indicates that the economy isn't slowing as planned. Uh, Loretta Nestor Meister, Meister, who's the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland, said in a speech on Thursday, quote, the demand side of the economy is not weakening quite as fast as some thought it would, unquote. And there was also good news on Tuesday when the U.S. Department of Labor reported in their consumer price index for January of 2023 that the Inflation numbers for January were coming down. That was the good news, but not as fast as expected. Uh, at least inflation is going in the right direction. And if you take a look at the CPI, the Consumer Price Index uh, numbers for January, the Consumer Price Index uh, rose five-tenths of a percent in January. Uh, that's the monthly increase after increasing one-tenth of one percent in December. And over the 12-month period, the all-item CPI index increased 6.4% in January. 
the index for shelter was by far the biggest contributor to the monthly uh, all-item CPI in- increase, accounting for nearly half of the monthly uh, uh, increase uh, for, with the ind- indices for food, gasoline, and natural gas also contributing. Now, the energy index increased 2% in January over the month as all major energy components index rose over the month. The index for the all-item CPI uh, less food and energy, that's known as the core CPI. The core CPI rose four-tenths of a percent in January, and categories which increased in January included shelter, motor vehicle, insurance, and recreation, apparel, household furnishings, things of this nature. The indices for new used cars and trucks, medical care, and airline fares was among those that decreased for the month. The all-item consumer price index increased 6.4%, for the 12-month ending in January, and that was the smallest uh, 12-month increase since the period ending in October 2021. The all-item less food and fuel, or the or the core CPI index, uh, rose 5.6% over the last 12 months, and that was its smallest uh, increase. And the uh, energy index increased 8.7% for the 12-month period ending in January. So basically, it showed that inflation was going down. And uh, if you take a look and compare the CPI numbers for January and December, uh, in January, the monthly the CPI number uh, was 0.5%, increased by 5%, whereas in December, it had decreased one-tenth of one percent. Now, for the 12-month period uh, in December, uh, the number was an increase of 6.5%, whereas in January it was 6.4%. That was basically the good news. And uh, uh, the, the, that 6.4% was only a reduction of, you know, one-tenth of one percent. And in the... Uh, December, it was 6.5, and in January, it was 6.4%. Then if you take a look at the uh, core numbers for the 12-month period, January shows an increase of 5.6% versus an increase of 5.7% in December. So we're moving in the right direction, but we're just moving fairly slowly. In fact, the... Uh, the numbers that were finally came out were were basically uh, larger than what had been anticipated. So it was uh, it was kind of like, uh, well, it's good news; it's moving in the right direction. But we sure thought it would be moving a little bit faster than it's moving right now. So the stock market, uh, which rallied in January in the hope that the Federal Reserve would soon pivot and begin to lower the interest rates is now examining the latest data showing the economy is stronger than it was anticipated to be. So we got a strong labor market. That's that over 500,000 additional payroll 
three times the estimates. Uh, strong retail and food sales up 3% in January after being down November and December. Uh, strong industrial production, manufacturing up 1% per month, and uh, mining up 2% per month. Uh, stronger than expected uh, producer price index. Even the this is the factory gate increases. In other words, when we talk about the consumer price index, that's the price that we get hit with uh, as consumers. But the factory gate uh, says that uh, uh, it increased uh, prices increased six percent uh, per year in January and uh, seven-tenths of 1% in, uh, for the month of January. So uh, then CPI for January showed some progress, but less than expected. Okay, we just, I mentioned that before, we went from 6.5 uh, over a 12-month period prediction to 6.4. Uh, all the unexpected strengths have, some Federal Reserve officials talking about uh, raising the upper limit uh, of the Federal Reserve rate. And presently, the federal funds rate now is uh, between four and a half percent and four and three quarters of a percent. And uh, they're planning another uh, quarter of a percent increase, uh, possibly in March, uh, the next meeting of the Federal Open Market Committee. It'll be in March 21st and 22nd. And then the bond market is signaling that beyond the March increase, there might possibly be another quarter of a percent increase in May. Uh, and if they do that, that will bring up the, bring the federal funds rate up to 5% to five and one quarter percent, uh, after the May meeting. So, at the most recent Federal Open Market Committee meeting that was two weeks ago, the Federal Reserve was talking about a pause in increases. Uh, uh, this is, would be possible maybe after the March or May meeting. But now with the increased strength of the economy, some Federal Reserve officials may be seriously thinking about increasing, that, uh, increasing the, the high point of the federal funds rate uh, to maybe five and a half or even higher, five and three quarters percent. So, uh, while not a member of the Federal Reserve, former Treasury Secretary Lawrence Summers said that a broadening in the U.S. price pressures shows that the Federal Reserve's monetary tightening to the, to date has had a limited impact, raising the danger of uh, policymakers having to do more than previously envisioned. Now, Larry Summers, in an interview on Bloomberg uh, of Wall Street Week, said that, quote, the Fed has been trying to put the brakes on, and it doesn't look like the brakes are getting much traction. Uh, the risk is that we're going to hit the brakes very, very hard in the future. Uh, Summers spoke days after the January uh, consumer price index report came out, and that's the one that showed that pickup in the price pressures with the uh, headline uh, increase in, in the month of January, uh, five tenths of one percent. 
in the previous month it was one tenth of one percent. So that was a that was an increase in uh, prices that uh, scares uh, Larry Summers a little bit, and that was the biggest increase since October. Larry Summers calculated that the median component of consumer price index is now climbing at a pace close to 7%, the fastest in four decades. Quote, that's got to cause real concern about inflation. So uh, so we're, we're digesting different information, uh, and the economy's stronger, and the disinflation uh, efforts by the Federal Reserve seem to be weaker than originally thought. Uh, the U.S. Uh, leading economic indicator that's put out by the conference board is generally a useful proprietary analytical tool for predicting recessions, and their results uh, show that they expect the U.S. economy to tip into a recession in 2023. Uh According to uh, senior director economics at the conference board, he explained that uh, among the leading indicators, deteriorating manufacturing, new orders, uh, consumers' expectation of business conditions and credit conditions more than offset strength in the labor markets and stock prices to drive the index lower in the month. The contribution of the yield spread component of the leading economic indicator also turned negative in the last two months, which is often a signal of recession to come. While the leading economic indicator continues to signal a recession in the near term, uh, indicators related to the labor market, including employment and personal income, remain robust so far. Nevertheless, the conference board still expects high inflation rising interest rates, and contracting consumer spending to tip the U.S. economy into a recession in 2023. So, are we heading into a recession? <laughs> I don't know. So, will the Federal Reserve push the interest rate targets even higher? Uh, bond yields are saying yes, the bond yields are going up. Uh but the stock market seems to be seems to think we're okay. So uh, if I take a look at global equities, uh, they were mixed this week. In the U.S., two of the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones and the Standard and Poor uh, 500, were both down for the week, but the Nasdaq Composite was up for the week. While in the U.K., the FTSE 100 was up for the week, and in the European Union, Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both up for the week. But the, the story was different in Asia. Uh, Japan's Nikkei 225 was down for the week, and in China, both the Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong's Hang Seng were both down for the week. On Friday, the three major stock indices closed the week at the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at 33,826.69. So it was down 0.13% for the week, uh, but it was up 
2.05% year-to-date. The Standard & Poor 500 closed at 4,079.09, so it was down 0.28% for the week, but up 6.24% year-to-date. And the NASDAQ Composite was closed at 11,787.27, and that was up 0.59% for the week and up 12.62% year-to-date. So all of these things are, are, are things that the, that the markets are going to have to get their arms around in terms of the strength of the economy, whether there is going to be a recession. Uh, is the, the, the original thing was that we do have a recession, do we have a hard landing, a soft landing, things of this nature. So all those are still open questions. The new information this week was how uh, strong the economy is. So how that's going to affect what the Federal Reserve is going to do in uh, terms of their actions. So in the big picture, all this is significant to LR. Uh, our investments are going to be affected both, the, you know, weekly as well as monthly as, as well as over the next year. But the important thing is not uh, the progress of our investments is important, but the most important part as far as we're concerned, as far as uh, us and our families are concerned, is our own personal financial plan. And that, that is basically uh, only one, your investments is only one part of that. Uh, and the other part of that is the, the homework that we have to do as individuals in putting together our plan. We have to identify our goals. Uh, what are our goals? Depending upon where you're at in life, they might be uh, as minimalistic as, uh, hey, we got a new car and an apartment. Uh, but then there are bigger decisions to be made with regard to starting a family and things of this nature. And also uh, the biggest one of all is retirement. And uh, we can basically um, put dates on those. They don't have to be accurate, uh, but they'll be reasonable. And we can also put uh, dollar costs on those. So uh, and then we have to say, okay, how much how much do we have in terms of uh, assets to be able to meet our financial goals. And uh, if you're like most people, the assets are the paychecks that come in the door and how you allocate the paychecks to build up your nest eggs and savings that you you can invest and use compound interest to get you from, from uh, this amount to the future amount. So, we lay out a plan. We identify our basic uh, goals. Uh, we address all the things that have to uh, support the plan in terms of we have a standard of living. There's so much for the cars. There's so much for the homes. Uh, so much for the children's education. So much for weddings. Uh, you know, and uh, maybe you've got a business that's uh, requires money to, and basically what you got is how you're going to uh, gather those savings and work those savings to get to your financial goals, all the time balancing your 
risk and reward balanced in the short term against the long term, and also um, changing the plans. You know, and the, the plan is a roadmap that gets you from here to the end, and uh, basically unexpected things will happen, and uh, um, the plan will have to be revised, and you'll have to stay on top of it for basically if you're if you're 20 years old, you have to stay on top of it for the next 75 years. So, uh, and then you have to protect yourself against things that you can't um, visualize. And you can visualize them, but you can't tell when it's going to happen. Life insurance, uh, liability and property and casualty insurance in case you're, you get caught in a car accident or a somebody gets hurt on your property, then you have to go through estate planning and gift planning and things of this nature. So there's a lot of lot of things that have to be looked at in getting to where we are, getting from where we are to where we want to go. And basically it takes it takes a little effort, not a great deal of effort, but it takes a little effort to do that. And that's basically what we do for our clients. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call. We can talk to you about almost anything you want to talk about. Our toll-free number here is 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you, who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You know, we've got President's Day coming up on Monday. So uh, we have some uh, little words of wisdom uh, about our founding fathers. So uh, we've included more than just uh, George Washington and uh, Abraham Lincoln here. Uh, Let's start with uh, Ben Franklin. He coined the phrase, a penny saved is a penny earned. So, and the uh, daughter of this President's Day on Friday will consider other founders of the United States 
and see what they had to say about personal finance. John Adams uh, on the, the importance of financial education. Quote, all of, all of the perplexities, confusion, and dis, distress in America arise not from the defects of the Constitution, uh, not from one of honor or virtue, so much as from the downright ignorance of the nature of coin, credit, and circulation. That was in a letter penned to uh, Thomas Jefferson in 1787. So they, even, even <laughs> those, those days, the uh, national budgets and things of this nature and taxation and tariffs and everything else was the uh, topic of conversation. In Thomas Jefferson, uh, never spend your money before you have earned it. And Jefferson's words of wisdom, which he shared in letters to his children and his grandchildren, are still applicable more than two centuries later. So uh, failing to live within your means leads to debt and uh, financial insecurity. And then uh, Ben Franklin, on the magic of, of uh, compounding, <clears throat> uh, remember that money is of a prolific generating nature. Money can beget money, and its offspring can beget more, and so on, and so on. So, compound interest. Uh, George Washington, on tracking your expenses. Uh, George Washington was a man of few words, and his actions and the uh, old Library of Congress records speak for themselves. Washington was a stickler for keeping track of his money. When he was appointed commander-in-chief of the Continental Army in 1775, he did not accept the salary. Instead, he agreed to reimbursement of his expenses after the war. So Congress readily agreed to his request, and naturally he proceeded to record just about everything, from from booms to mutton to payment for the soldiers. Washington was a meticulous record keeper, although some of his founding fellows died in debt. Washington went down in history as one of the richest men of his time. Also, <coughs> excuse me. And then we have Ben Franklin on death and taxes. We all remember this one. In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. <coughs> excuse me. Got to get the coffee cup here. Uh, Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> this is more from the musical. And, then, and it basically says that in the opening song of the Broadway musical, Hamilton, uh, John Lawrence, who was a famous Revolutionary War soldier, <clears throat> explains that explains of Alexander Hamilton. It goes like this. The $10 founding father, without a father, got a lot farther by working a lot harder, by being a lot smarter, by being a self-starter, unquote. <laughs> so this is a, there's a lyrical truth to Lauren's words because Hamilton was born uh, to his single mother in the West Indies and was orphaned in childhood. At the age of 14, he began working as a clerk in a local import-export firm, Beckman & Kruger, when the owner was at sea, he would 
be placed in charge of the firm for five months. And then before he returned, before he moved to New Jersey, uh, his work ethnic and early managerial experiences put him on a career path to greatness. And here's one from uh, from the uh, Marquis de Lafayette. Uh, quote, I read, I study, I examine, I listen, I think, and out of all this, I try to form an idea into which I can put as much common sense as I can. That was in a letter that uh, he wrote to his father in 1776. So uh, Lafayette played a pivotal role in securing American independence. He was a trusted confidant of Washington, and he provided a critical path or or channel for French support of the colonists. Lafayette was hailed as a hero of two worlds when he returned to France. And throughout his life, he showed the value of carefully studying every situation, determining all possible outcomes to arrive at the best possible decision, whether it be a military strategy in 1777 or investing today. Now, there's another one, John Hancock, on having and not having money. Quote from John Hancock, I find money some way or other goes very fast. But I think I can reflect it has been spent with satisfaction and to my own honor. That's a letter to his uncle, 1761. John Hancock might be remembered for his iconic signature today, but he also knew a thing about money. He inherited a hugely successful mercantile business from his uncle, making him one of the wealthiest men in the American colonies. And uh, Forbes estimated that his net worth was probably, in today's dollars, it would probably be around close to $20 billion. So he understood how quickly a fortune could be made and could disappear. And lastly, Ben Franklin, what enjoying the wealth you were. According to Ben Franklin, quote, wealth is not his that has it, but his that enjoys it. And that is from Franklin's book, Poor Richard's Albanac, in 1736. So what's the point of working hard if you don't enjoy what you earned? Franklin published the Poor Richard's Albanac under a pseudo uh, name as a book of instructions and advice for commoners. The book included life tips and recipes and calendars and, uh, and other tools. So, Basically, the founding fathers also believed in in uh, keeping track of their money, the nation's money, and keeping it on a straight and level path. So uh, that we might be we might be missing a little bit of that in today's world, but sooner or later we'll get back to the, to the straight and narrow path. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Our love is alive, and so we begin. Foolish lay in our hearts on a table, stumbling in. Our love is a flame. 
welcome back to welcome back to Get Rich Flow. You can give us a call and the toll free number is one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Now let's talk a little bit about the, some of the things that we should saw this week that indicate that the economy is a little stronger than we thought it was. Uh, the um, the uh, report of retail sales and food service sales for January uh, rose to $697 billion, and that was up 3% from December $676 billion. That's according to the U.S. Uh, Department of Commerce's report, Advanced Monthly Sales for Retail and Food Services uh, for January. Uh, that showed that uh, retail spending was up 6.4% from January a year ago. So, uh, <clears throat> separately, the retail sales figures for the food services and drinking figures show that retail trade sales were up 2.3% from December of 2022 and up 3.9% uh, above last year. Food services and drinking places, <clears throat> excuse me, were up 25.2 percent from January of 2022, and you know that, that, that <laughs> food services and drinking places up 25.2 percent in a year. Uh, you can see that wherever you go. You know, I I went out and visited uh, my daughter and her family in Denver around the Christmas holidays. And <clears throat> the airports were full, the airlines were full, the restaurants were full. Uh, you know, people have been uh, cooped up with their COVID, and now they're really breaking free. They're, they're uh, talking about vacations and going places and seeing things, and, and that's one of the uh, the big places, the, you know, the restaurants and uh, travel and accommodation is one of the strong points of the uh, of this economy. So the U.S. economy started the year with surprising vigor, thanks partly to rising household incomes and consumer <clears throat> resilience, slowing inflation, uh, pay raises negotiated last year, cost of living adjustments for retirees and state tax cuts lined up to lift consumer purchasing power and uh, fortifying spending and economic growth at a time when many analysts were predicting a slowdown or <clears throat> perhaps even a, uh, even a recession. So if I take a look back over the last, uh, oh, I'd say, uh, you know, the, the last uh, three uh, uh, numbers for consumer spending. In January, consumer spending was up uh, 3%. Uh, Year-to-date, it was up 6.4%. It was up 3% in that one month of January. In December, it was down 1.1%. November, it was down 1.0%. In October, it was up 1.3%. September, it was zero. You know, it didn't increase or decrease. And uh, basically what you're seeing is that that 3% for January uh, stands out uh, very clearly. So uh, 
take a look at basically where we're spending our <clears throat> our money, food services and drinking places, uh, that that went up 7.2% in January from uh, December, but it also went up 25.2% from January a year earlier. Uh, some of the other things were uh, uh, motor vehicles. Motor vehicles went up, uh, spending went up 5.9% in January uh, versus only 2.8% over the entire year. Of course, uh, auto sales and things of this nature have been, uh, have been catching up, but they're not, they're not fully caught up yet in terms of uh, uh, their microchip problem. They've been for the longest time. I don't know where they're at, but the longest time they're building. They were building cars, but they weren't selling them because they didn't have the right chips. And uh, they had to wait for the chips. And we also look at other places of strength, the industrial production capacity utilization. Uh, that shows that uh, uh, industrial production, uh, yeah, industrial production was flat in January from January from December to January, <clears throat> but hidden in those numbers is that the utility part in the industrial production was down 10% because of the unseasonable weather. If you take a look at the actual manufacturing and mining numbers, uh, they were good. And uh, if I take a look at non, if I take a look at durable manufacturing, durable manufacturing is up eight-tenths of a percent in one month. You multiply that by 12, and you got a big number. Uh, you got uh, uh, non-metallic mineral products up 2.4%, machinery up 1.7%, electrical equipment 1.3%, aerospace transportation 1.1%. These are monthly numbers. And uh, computers and electronics up 1.1%. Then you take a look at the uh, non Durable manufacturing, and what you have is apparel was up 3.7% in one month. Textiles was up 2.2%. A food and beverage is up 1.7%. And chemicals, chemicals were up 1.6%. Those are, those are really good numbers. And, of course, you take a look at mining. Mining was up 2% in uh, January. And, and when they talk about mining, most of that mining is is oil production and, and uh, oil support for the oil fields, be it the regular fields or be it the, the fracking fields. And uh, uh, that industrial production is up 8.6% from a year ago, whereas in the utilities, uh, they were down close to 10%, strictly because of the unseasonable unseasonable weather. So uh, all in all, basically what you're seeing is the industrial production is still steaming along. Uh, and then if you take a look at the <clears throat> consumer price index, the consumer price index is something that we all pay attention to because uh, we all notice basically food and gasoline because we buy them on a regular basis. So on Tuesday, they released their 
CPI report for January of 2023, the less-than-expected decline in inflation was still good news. The inflation moved in the right direction, but it just uh, wasn't as big as we originally thought it would be. So inflation for the last 12 months was expected to be in the uh, 6.2 region. It was 6.5. Inflation over a 12-month period in uh, December was 6.5. We expected it to be 6.2 in January, but it came out at uh, 6.4%. So uh, that was a little bit of a disappointment, but still, like I said, it was moving in the right direction. And uh, if I take a look at uh, basically what the numbers have been, Projections have been, not projections, this is hard data. Uh, the CPI in, in uh, January was 6.4%. Uh, in December, we're moving backwards now, it was 6.5. In November, it was 7.1. In October, it was 7.7. September, it was 8.2. Uh, August, it was 8.3. And then the big the highest inflation we've had uh, this year, you know, the last two years, has been that 9.1% uh, inflation in uh, June of 2022. So I can I can take a look at the data, and I can see we're basically how the numbers are changing. Uh, one of the big concerns in this latest report was that the, uh, the, the uh, consumer price index uh, or uh, the monthly consumer price index, be it the consumer price index or be it the core consumer price index. And by core CPI, I mean uh, taking out the effects of food and fuel. Uh, Basically, if I take a look at the November numbers, I see that the uh, CPI only increased one-tenth of one percent in the month of November. The core CPI only increased two-tenths of one percent. Then I go to December, and that was those November numbers. Now I do the December numbers, and the CPI for December for the month of December, December was a negative uh, one-tenth of one percent, and the core CPI was a positive three-tenths of one percent. And then if I take a look at the January numbers, the CPI over January increased five-tenths of one percent, and the core CPI increased four-tenths of one percent. So what I'm seeing is that the monthly uh, increases in the consumer price index are going the wrong direction. They're, they should be going smaller and smaller, but the, uh, the monthlies are becoming bigger and bigger. Like in November, it was one-tenth of one percent increase in the CPI, and in uh, December and January, it was five-tenths of one percent. So, uh, Basically, they're running. They're going to run into problems here uh, sooner or later, and uh, <clears throat> we're just 
we're just we're just hoping that they can figure it out basically before they get there. If I examine the monthly changes in the consumer price, what I see is the index of, sh- of shelter <clears throat> was by far the biggest contributor to the monthly all item uh, CPI and uh, accounting for nearly half of the monthly uh, all item CPI increase. Uh, you know, along with that comes the indices for food, gasoline, and natural gas. They were also going up. The food index increased five tenths of a percent uh, for the month, with the food at home index uh, rising four tenths of a percent. The energy index increased two percent over the month, as all major energy components indices rose. Uh, over the month, now, if I take a look at the <clears throat> if I take a look at the core CPI, where I neglect the food and fuel, and uh, I see that the uh, core CPI uh, rose four tenths of one percent in January. It's a one month increase. Categories which increased in January include shelter. Uh, motor vehicle insurance, recreation, apparel, household furnishings, the indices for used cars. Well, that's a, that's a specialized thing. And now looking at the year-over-year or 12-month numbers, the all-item CPI index increased 6.4% over the 12-month period ending in January. And the, uh, the all-item less food and fuel, which is the core uh, CPI rose 5.6 percent in the last 12 months, which means that they're 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 going they're going in the right direction, but there's a lot of doubt as to uh, it's not going fast enough, and is something uh, they're going to have to get these monthly numbers down. So, in the case of uh, uh, this last couple of weeks, uh, the economic data has shown a lot of strength. There's been a lot of concerns about increasing those interest rates faster and higher. And those are the things that uh, are going to affect the stock market. So this is Jim McAleese. Uh, uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs> Well, welcome back to Get Rich Slow. Well, we've got it made through another week of winter with its bone-chilling cold. How will we get to the spring? Well, I suppose we'll get there one step at a time, and we won't give up. We will persevere. These are the things we learn as we go through life. We learn that things like when I have a problem, sometimes it's me. I also learned that growing old is inevitable, but growing up is optional. Then I remember that there is no key to happiness. The door is always open. And I know that to solve any problem to reach your goals, you do not need to know all the answers in advance, but you do have to have a clear idea of the problem or goal that you want to reach. Yes, you do have to know where you are going. And then remember, don't procrastinate when faced with a big, difficult problem. What you need to do is break the problem into parts, handle each part at a time. 
Remember the most important things in our lives are the people. Remember that if you can get up the courage to begin, you have the courage to succeed. It is the job that you never start that takes the longest to finish. And remember, don't worry about what lies dimly at a distance, but do what lies clearly ahead. Remember a grudge is a heavy thing to carry. Remember our biggest opportunity is where you are right now. And once you begin, you are half done. We know that we do not remember days, but moments. Life moves too fast, so enjoy your precious moments. Remember, nothing is real to you until you experience it. Otherwise, it's just hearsay. It's all right to have a pity party, <laughs> pity pot every now and then. Just be sure to flush it when you're done. Also remember that knowing that surviving and living your life successfully requires courage. The goals and dreams that you seek require courage and risk-taking. You have to learn from the turtle. It only makes progress when it sticks out its neck. Also be more concerned about your character and your reputation because your character is who you really are while your reputation is merely what other thinks you are. Everyone has their own bits of wisdom and you use them every day. So live by your wisdom until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Slow. May God protect you and keep you safe. <laughs> You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc., the materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.